0: We started a week ago a study together about the words that Jesus spoke from the cross. We're calling them the excruciating words. The word excruciating means painful. It means torture. It means going through something awful, but it literally means out of the cross. So something that is excruciating is so bad that it originated by something. There's nothing worse than being on a cross. There's nothing worse than being on a cross. That's what real pain is. And so Jesus spoke these words from the cross. These are the excruciating words that Jesus spoke. Last time we looked at Luke 23 and when Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. And they also said to one of the criminals that was crucified with him, he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. We considered that last time. Today the perspective changes just a little bit. And this time, we're going to see Jesus address his mother and address, he's called the disciple whom Jesus loves, but I'm convinced that this is John the Apostle. And so we're going to address him as John today. Jesus talks to Mary and he talks to John. And he has some startling words for them. And what we're going to really see is that they have their, not only their world changed, but we're going to think specifically about their relationships being changed. We're, we're given just so few details of what happens here, but we're all given just a, a little bit of insight of, of Jesus' relationship with His mother and His relationship with John. We know that every single word that Jesus spoke from the cross, it was a struggle. He hung there for some six hours before breathing His last. But what we know, and sadly we've we've had those that have investigated this and the experts have shared with us just all of the terrible things that go along with a crucifixion. And after hanging there, suspended by your arms, your feet nailed to a cross, your arms nailed to a cross, your muscles begin to just be absolutely devastated. And you sink down. And what, the way most of them died on the cross was by asphyxiation. In other words, they couldn't breathe because of the compression that was on their chest. They had to push up on those, those feet that were nailed to the cross. Push up just enough to be able to say a few words. So every time Jesus spoke, it was painful. Every time Jesus spoke, it was difficult for him to do, here from the cross. And so we know that when he shared these few words, they were important. Every word that Jesus ever spoke was important. Of course we realize that. But what I'm trying to stress to you right now is that when Jesus spoke these words from the cross, it wasn't just like you and me right now. It wasn't just like having a few words to say and it's relatively easy to do. It took all the physical exertion he had to push up on those those feet that were pushed in, nailed to the cross, and say these few things. And one of the things he takes the time to do is address his mother, speak some words of, of kindness to her, speak to John. And what he's going to say here changes them, change their relationships, and we're going to learn about how ours should change as well. It's likely that as we are gathered here and look across this this room, look at this audience today. It's very likely that we have relationships that need to change. You probably have relationships in your life that need to be fixed. You probably have relationships with people that, that need to be repaired, relationships that need to be restored. It may be the case you have some relationships that actually need to be severed, cut, stopped. Listen to what the Bible says in 2 Thessalonians 3.14. If anyone does not obey what we have said in this letter, take note of that person, listen to this, and have nothing to do with that person so that they may be ashamed. Sometimes there's relationships that need to be severed so that people can realize how serious it is to know and follow and live with Jesus. All of us need to reflect upon our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Ask yourself, consider honestly, reflect Am I close, or am I as close to Jesus as I should be? Am I as devoted to Jesus as I should be, or does my relationship need to change? Am I serving the Lord Jesus to the best of my ability, or does my relationship need to change? Do I trust Jesus to do what must be done, even in those circumstances that look so bleak and dark, or does my relationship need to change? What we're going to learn today, Lord willing, is we're going to see and and think about some things between Jesus and ourselves that do need to change in these brief words that he uttered while he was in such pain. The first thing we're going to do is examine what what changes, the relationship that changes between Mary and John. Because those are the, the ones to whom he speaks, right? He says, let's just read it. I know that Brother Ray read that for us a moment ago, but I want to read a longer passage. In John 19, turn there with me. Let's let's just start up at, at 16. Let's just read several verses together. John 19, let's start at verse 16. So he, that is Pilate, delivered him, that is Jesus. Pilate delivered Jesus to the people to be crucified. To the soldiers, the Roman soldiers and the Jewish crowd, Pilate delivered Jesus to be crucified. So they took Jesus. And he went out bearing his own cross to the place called the skull, the place of a skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. And there they crucified Him. And Him, with Him, two others, one on either side, Jesus between them. Pilate also wrote an inscription and put it on the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this inscription. For the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. Remember we said last week, He was crucified in a location that was high traffic. Lots of people would see this. Lots of people would come by. Some came by just to see the spectacle. Others came by just because this was on the way to where they were going. High traffic. It was written in Aramaic and Latin and in Greek. So the chief priest of the Jews said to Pilate, Don't write, He's the king of the Jews. But rather, it should say this. The man said, I'm king of the Jews. Pilate answered, Look, what I've written, I've written. I'm not changing it. When the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took His garments and they divided them into four parts. One part for each soldier. But then also His tunic. seems to be the case that there was five articles of clothing there of Jesus. Four get divided up relatively quickly because there's four soldiers there. And there's this fifth item. It says this, this tunic was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let us not tear it, but cast lots for it to see whose it shall be. This was to fulfill the Scripture which says from Psalm 22, they divided My garments among them, and for My clothing they cast lots. So the soldiers did these things. So imagine this scenario. You've got all these different groups of people, some that are yelling at Jesus, if you're so special, if you're so powerful, come off the cross. These soldiers who are more interested in gambling for clothing than what it is that's happening on the cross. But then there's those there that love Him. There's those there whose hearts are being broken. And so it says, as the soldiers were doing these things, but standing by the cross of Jesus was His mother, His mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw His mother and the disciple whom He loved standing nearby, He said to His mother, Woman, behold your son, making reference to John. And then the disciple, he said, behold, your mother, making reference to Mary. And from that hour, from that time, from that day forward, as it were, the disciple took her into his own home. So on the surface here, we have the most obvious of relationship changes, right? One who was not the son of this woman, he's being asked, John is being asked to take on the very serious responsibilities Of being an adult child who takes on the care of an aging parent that's a tall task that's a big request isn't it because we know if you've lived long enough and been in this kind of circumstance very very many of us have been adults who've had to be in some type of situation to help our aging parents and here here's one who's not even the son And he says, your responsibility now is is to care for her. So one who's not the son is placed in the care of the mother. And not only that, but one who's not the mother is asked to put herself in the care of one who's not her son. The speculation here is this, that Joseph, Mary's husband, has already passed away. That seems to be a reasonable conclusion to draw. Joseph's dead. Nothing said of his death. We're not told, there's not a scripture we can turn to. It says, here's the day that Joseph died. But the final time we read about Joseph is in Luke chapter 2, at verses 41 through 50, when Jesus was 12 years old. Remember they made that trip to uh, Jerusalem at the Passover? Jesus gets left behind, they gotta go find him. Surely you knew I'd be about my father's business. We don't read of Joseph in Jesus' life anymore after that. And so if it's the case that he did pass, pass away, Mary would need someone to provide for her. Mary's now in the position of needing someone to care for her materially, financially. And Jesus chooses John for this responsibility. Now let that sink in, what a big responsibility that was. Jesus himself says, you're now in charge of my mother. That's big. But the question I wanna ask is this, why John? Why was John chosen, who's not a son of Mary? Why did he get chosen for this? Because we know Jesus has brothers and they're not dead. Matthew chapter 13, at verse 55, there were those who said of Jesus, hey, look, Jesus, isn't this the carpenter's son? We know Jesus. We know his family. His mother is Mary. He's got brothers named James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas. That's James who wrote James and Jude who wrote the letter of Jude. So with Joseph gone, Jesus is the oldest, and the responsibilities of the household fall to him. But with him dying, with him being gone, shouldn't the responsibilities fall to the next oldest son? That's kind of what I'm thinking. There appear to be a few different issues here as to why one of the brothers of Jesus weren't told this. Because it doesn't appear like his brothers are even there, right? As you read through the Gospel of John, where are the brothers of Jesus? How come they're not standing there? It says, here's Mary and a few other Marys. Here's here's all these women and here's John standing there at the foot of the cross. Where are Jesus' brothers? Well, I'm thinking what we read from Scripture, it seems to be the case, they're ashamed of him. They're ashamed of him. Here he is placed on a cross that vile, dirty, disgusting, the worst criminals go to the cross. Respectable people, even the best of criminals don't go to the cross. This is for the lowest, the worst. They're ashamed. We knew they were ashamed of Jesus when he was alive. Mark chapter 3 at verse 21. His family heard that Jesus was drawing large, large crowds. And it says they went out, his family, that is these brothers of Jesus, his mother included, they went out to seize him, to get him away from all the people. Because it says in Mark 3.21, they thought he was out of his mind. They were embarrassed of him. And so there does seem to be the case that they're, they're ashamed of Jesus, but I think it's even more than that. It's not just that they're ashamed of him. We have a spiritual problem here. This is a spiritual issue. When Jesus says to Mary, here's your son. He says to John, here's your mother. He's connecting two people who are of like mind. And like heart it's a spiritual issue we know from John chapter 7 at verse 5 it says his brothers did not believe in him so I think it's important to stress Jesus's brothers don't believe in him and maybe I would put this word Jesus's brothers don't believe in him yet they don't believe in him at this point in time as he's preaching and teaching as he's placed on the cross Jesus's brothers don't believe in him yet and so they're not there. But in Acts chapter 1 at verse 14, after Jesus has gone to the cross, been raised from the dead, now he's ascended to the right hand of the Father. Now there's a group of about 120 people gathered in one room, waiting on the Holy Spirit. They're waiting on the power from on high to get things going in the church, to get the kingdom of God started and planted and growing. And it says in Acts 1.14, all these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers they're there now they believe now they're among the 120 so his brothers didn't believe at first but later came to be really really important and faithful disciples what changed in that time was they came to see and meet and know the risen jesus first corinthians 15 3 to 8 so they went from being these guys who were embarrassed of jesus there were these guys who were teasing him there in john 7 hey shouldn't you go let people know you're the messiah if you really are They're teasing him. And they weren't even there the day he died. And so they weren't there for Jesus to say, do this. But after they saw the risen Jesus, after they came to know that all the things that were said and predicted about him were true, they become those who are ready to fight anyone. Stand before kings, teach lessons, share the message of Jesus, spread the gospel with everyone. So meeting and knowing and being amazed by The risen Jesus makes the difference in the world. It did for them, and it should for us. So think about this with me. From the cross, Jesus seems to be making here a very powerful spiritual point using a very physical or practical situation. Because ask yourself this, and as we've been parents for the last 15 years, we've asked ourselves this same thing a lot. Who do we want being the major influence over our families? Who do we want being the major influence over our loved ones? Do you want believers to be your major influence? Or skeptics? Do you want those who are disciples of Jesus? Or infidels to be the ones who are the major influence on your family? John believed and he was loyal. His, the brothers of Jesus didn't believe at this point. And so the relationship between Mary and John change in a very profound way. Here's your son. He'll take care of you. Here's your mother. You take care of her. And so these words from the cross of Jesus, these emphasize how the most important relationship in the whole world is the spiritual relationship between us and the Lord. Because I want you to think of it this way. When Jesus says to Mary, Behold your son, Read with me in Matthew 12. I want you to read this in Matthew 12, what Jesus says about family. Matthew 12, we'll start at verse 46, Matthew 12, 46. Jesus was speaking to the people. Behold, his mother and his brother stood outside asking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who had come in. He told him, Jesus says to that man, who is my mother and who are my brothers? but stretching out his hands toward the disciples. In other words, like basically saying like this, see all these people in this room right now? Maybe he would say it this way. See these, see these people in this room right now? See these, see these people sitting here right now? He says, here, here are my mother and my brothers. <laughs> Standing outside are his literal physical brothers. And Jesus says, look here, here are the people that are interested in spiritual things. He says, Here's my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of my Father in heaven, that is my brother and my sister and my mother. Jesus says to John, John, here's your mother. He says to Mary, Mary, here's your son. These are ones that believe him, these are ones that are faithful to him, these are the ones who didn't abandon him. And he says, Here's your family. Go back a few pages to Matthew 10. Matthew 10, starting at verse 26. Matthew 10:26. Jesus says, Have no fear of them, for nothing is covered that will not be revealed, or hidden that won't be known. What I tell you in the dark, say in the light, what you hear whispered, proclaim on the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? And not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the Father. But even the hairs of your head are all numbered. So fear not therefore, you're of more value than many sparrows. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, Jesus says, I will also acknowledge before my Father who's in heaven. I will say, here is my sister, here is my brother. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny before my Father who's in heaven. He goes on in verse 34. Do not think that I've come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and daughter against her mother. He says, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law, and a person's enemies will be those of his own household. Listen to verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever doesn't take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose. Whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Here's my my prayer from this, this first Situation, this relationship between Mary and John that changed so drastically. I pray that Jesus will see us just like John. People who put him first. And people who are part of the spiritual family of Jesus. Because I wonder today, if Jesus were, were looking at you today, standing in front of you this day, would He acknowledge you as a member of His family? Would He acknowledge you, would He look upon you and say, here is one of mine, like He did there. Mary, here's your son. John, here's, here's your mother. Would He look at us and say, there's, there's my brother, there's my sister right there with us. Let me, let me emphasize this, if you've never obeyed the Gospel of Jesus the Christ, confessed that Jesus is the Son of God, repented of your sins, and been washed in a watery grave, you're not the brother of Jesus the Christ would he look upon you and say I don't know you or look upon you and say there's my brother your relationship may need to change we keep going we investigate that because not only does the relationship between Mary and John change but the relationship between Mary and Jesus changes too we know that Jesus kept all the law perfectly Exodus chapter 20 verse 12 says honor your father and mother so of course Jesus does that perfectly he makes sure his mother is taken care of he showed her honor even when he was in the most desperate of pain but consider the way that relationship over the years with his mother the way it grew and developed and then finally really changed she was told going back to luke chapter 1 verse 26 mary was told that even though she was a virgin she was going to conceive and bear a child and then in Luke one thirty two, not only is she told that she was going to conceive and bear a child, she was told that this child was going to be the Savior and King of the whole world. That's a heavy bit of information to be told. And then it came to be just like the angel said, I want you to turn to Luke 2 with me and read what happened to, to Mary when Jesus was, was so small. Luke 2.25. Luke 2.25 says there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, and had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. He was going to get to see the Messiah with his own eyes before he died. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up, he picks up Jesus, he holds Jesus in his arms, and he blessed God and he said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you prepared in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, for your glory to your people Israel. And his father and mother, that's Joseph and Mary, marveled at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed him and then said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that's opposed. Listen to this. And a sword will pierce through your own soul also, Mary, so that the thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. Surely at the cross, when Mary is looking upon her son in agony, this is at least a very major f- part of the fulfillment of those words she had seen jesus do so many things just like any other mother would do she'd been worried when he was lost like mothers do like fathers do she'd fed him she'd protected him and it says in luke two nineteen and luke two fifty one that with all the things that were happening in the life of jesus that she treasured these things in her heart just like mothers do but the relationship changed We see starting in John chapter 2, Mary comes to Jesus, hey, you need to help us with the swine situation. And Jesus says, what does that to do with me? He starts to say, look, our relationship is changing even now. I'm now in the process of demonstrating to the world who I really am. I love what it says in John 2, 5, where she comes to understand. You know how the mother would say, the mother says, I'm the mother, you do what I say. In John 2, 5, she says, you do what he says. Whatever he tells you to do, you do it. Whatever Jesus tells you to do, you do it. That message applies to us this minute. If Jesus tells us to do something, you and I must do it. And so what happens here with me, with Mary, is that Mary and Jesus' relationship goes from Jesus just being her son, that, that she nurtures and helps and protects and all those things, to now she realizes and she comes to understand, and she's devoted to Jesus as her Savior. And so these words from the cross emphasize how the most important relationship, the most important relationship in the whole world, is the spiritual relationship between us and the Lord. And so he says to Mary, I'm not your son in that way that you know, sons are protected by mothers and that help their, their mothers in this way. That's John's duty now. I'm your savior and so he says here's John he'll take care of you John there's your mother see the relationship's totally different and the most important thing is that she acknowledges and she understands that he is the savior of the world just like she was told before Jesus was even conceived in her and so that brings to this final thing whether we must consider the relationship between Jesus and us Jesus must go from just being someone that we know Somebody that we know a few things about. Someone that we can read some stories about. Someone that we know just a, a couple of facts about. Well, I know he was born in Bethlehem. I know that he, he died in Jerusalem on a cross, I, I understand. He needs to be someone we don't just know some things about, but to being someone that we worship as our savior. You may know some Bible stories, but do you know the one who died on the cross for you? You may know some people who are Christians, but you know what it feels like to be a part of the church, part of the, the family of Jesus. Go over to John chapter 20, and let's read these few lines before we quit today. Because even for for this disciple, Thomas, the relationship's got to change for him too, just like for us. He teaches us. He instructs us. He shows us. In John chapter 20, beginning at verse 24, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was... Not with them when Jesus came, meaning when Jesus had made his appearance the first time. So the other disciples told him, we've seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into into the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side, if I don't get to see and feel and touch those things, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered and said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus had to go from just being someone that was known to someone who was believed in, devoted to, and worshipped. And that's what happened for Thomas. That's what must happen for you and me. He must go from just being someone we know to being someone we love, someone we trust, someone we obey. And think about this. Jesus there hanging on the cross, when he said, pushed himself up for that moment and said, woman, behold your son, behold your mother. Even in his pain, even in his darkest hour, Jesus remembered the people that he loved. In his worst hour, when he was in the most pain, when he was suffering beyond all comprehension, Jesus remembered and blessed his mother. He remembered and he charged John with responsibilities. And the same is true for you and me. He'll remember us in our times of need as well. The words from the cross teach us about Jesus and about ourselves. Jesus loved and He blessed even in His darkest hour. And He made it clear in that time that certain relationships had to change. So let me say to you this morning, if you've been following Jesus from a distance, your relationship with Him needs to change. If you've been denying the position of Jesus as King and Lord, your relationship with him must change. If you've been cold and quiet, not expressing your love and your devotion to the one who died for you, your relationship with him must change. When Jesus looked out from the cross, imagine all the things that he saw. He saw people who were so mean, so bitter, hearts so full of hate. But he also looked out and he saw... He saw his loving mother out there. He saw a woman with a broken heart, and he wanted her to be comforted. And so he said, here's your son. But he also looked out from the cross, and he knew he needed someone to be there to serve him and to be a blessing to others. And there he saw John. There was John ready and willing from that hour to do the bidding of Jesus. When Jesus looks upon us now, what does he see? Does he see people with broken hearts because of their sin and because of Jesus being on the cross? Does he see people who are ready and willing saying, here I am, Lord, send me. When he looks out at this room, what does he see? Does he see a group of people with relationships that need to change? If he does, you've been blessed with a great opportunity.